What's up, freaks? You're listening to episode one of the Freaks TV Progcast, presented by the Prog Space. Today, we're going to talk about a couple of new music videos that carry a message. In addition, we sat down and talked with Agneta Magnus Kierkevag from Matter Mortem. All of this and more coming up now. What's up, freaks? Welcome to the Freaks Progcast, a new show that we started. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Randy Salo, the founder of Freaks TV and the basis for alternative prog band. This is not an elephant. And with me as always, and especially on the first episode, Dario from the Prog Space. Hi there, my name is Dario Albrecht. I'm uh, from Munich and I'm a Prog enthusiast, and I think that's why Randy invited me. Um, usually, I write for the Prog Space um, reviews and interviews and, and uh, concert reviews and stuff like that. And I also just started out with my own little booking company called Immersion Entertainment. And I'm really looking forward to having great chats about progressive music, what's going on in the in the prog scene, and everything. Yeah, uh, a lot of you already know uh, the show that we did on Freaks TV called Into the Machine. Uh, and this is, we, we think we might start this back up, but we thought as an extension um, of that, we would start uh, doing some podcasts. And one of the shows had to be focused on Prague because that's my jam. And um, Dario and I actually met a couple of years ago on, I think, the Haken Ghost of the Road shoot. If I remember correctly, the first time we officially met. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was Haken and Rendezvous Point. You, you were doing the Rendezvous Point video, I remember, because I, I was um, getting the people from Rendezvous Point. Uh, I was picking them up with the S-Bahn from the uh, airport and brought them to the backstage here in Munich uh, to the venue. And yeah, then we were hanging out the whole day. And uh, you, you, the, the guys from Freaks TV were shooting uh, us, uh, the thing, the episode on on Rendezvous Point, and of course, the famous Auto Capella. Yeah, Haken, uh, yeah. Toto's Africa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we did that I thing. That that, that, uh, that was one of one of our busiest shoot days. I remember. And um, I would guess I, I didn't check the stats or anything, but I would guess probably uh, that was probably one of the most viewed videos you did, right? Or what? Oh, um, it's <laughs> it's not our most viewed video, but it's up there. It's okay. maybe fourth or fifth after Stephen Wilson, oh, okay. Opeth, and, and Devin Townsend, maybe. Or did didn't you do Gojira as well? Yeah, but that didn't get a that didn't get shared a lot. Okay, that's YouTube yeah. is a funny place. It is, yeah. So we'll talk about that in another episode. But uh, every time Dario and I would run into each other at concerts, we'd always start nerding out about, you know, like prog bands that we both liked, and you know, it's it's nice to meet somebody else that like goes back with the music aways and shares your your love for that for certain bands and certain albums and. Um, we touched on a few over the last months, and we said, "Hey, we should really do like a podcast where we like nerd out on those." Yeah, the funny thing is always uh, to nerd out on 
really obscure old school 90s prog metal bands nobody remembers anymore so and and the other thing is of course that i think uh both of us are really um yeah interested in in the future of prog as well and like like always looking for news and what what's going on and yeah that's also our first uh uh Subject we want to talk about actually uh, in our shows always look at the news what's hot in the prog scene. So um, and we got in the last weeks, um, in the last days almost, uh, a couple of videos coming out from bands that touched on um, like heavy subjects. And the first one was Soen's Martyrs, which was I think one of the most strikingly visual videos that I've seen in a long time and not from necessarily the cinematography but from the characters that they that they presented they 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 went with the idea and and they went all the way in and like it was not like oh we try something maybe it yeah. will work they said okay we're going to do this and then um yeah what came out was like a uh yeah like a uh hymn for the for the Outcast, or I no. don't know. So, so, and 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 also like um, encouragement for for people who are different or feeling different from society. That like encouragement that they shouldn't try to be somebody else yeah. only f to be accepted by society because well they are who they are and they should be able to be and live how they be who they are and live how they want to live and celebrate that yeah which is what happens in the video i think absolutely yeah yeah that, that's the next step then and cel celebrate the differences also and like yeah yeah and the um, maybe the empowerment of celebrating that yeah. i don't want to give away what where the story goes because Although there's not a, like a huge story happening, something happens in the in the video which came to me as a surprise, uh, yeah. and you can watch that yourself on YouTube. Yes, the second one was was uh, one that uh, caught me a little bit off guard because uh, it's from the Polish band called Votum, and uh, they have like four albums out, I think, and the last one, Ktonic. Um, was like really, really different from the ones before because it was really dark, more in the Catatonia kind of style. And I really liked that one. So, um, yeah, and they were teasing, in the week before they were teasing that they were going to put out a video also with, with some uh, uh, NGOs, non-profit organizations that, like, that they were going to touch on a societal issues somehow. And I was really curious. And then actually I was... Uh, in school, when when it got released, and then it, it, in the break, I was uh, putting my headphones and I was sitting with my uh, classmates and, and and watching it on my phone, and like actually, I I was like tearing up because it was so like really moving and touching. It the the heavy subject there on this uh, song from Votum called uh, Hate simply um is uh actually cyber mobbing and um yeah i really urge you to check it out because it's a it's a brilliant song of course it's heavy it's a heavy subject it's a dark and heavy song 
but um, also an, um, yeah, a great message and also great that they teamed up with so many different organizations in different uh, European countries and uh, for for people who suffer from cyber mobbing or how, however you call it. Um, cyber bullying. Cyber is bullying is the, the that, word that, that, they used. Yeah, them. thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, that that there are um, places where you can go, where you can get help. So, yeah, that, that's also very, unfortunately, uh, sadly, a, um, a, a really relevant topic in today's society. Yeah, and uh, just like a little touch on the lyrics, um, because I think it's kind of the chorus. It seems like the chorus melody is sung to comments somebody's making yeah absolutely bullying that, somebody else yeah and that that's that like like your children should die yeah absolutely yeah that's that's you're right. so fat and and, and, and it, it is pretty heavy it, content it is, for it is fucking heavy I, I i was like when i when i saw it for the first time i was uh yeah i had to collect myself afterwards but it was it was worth it <laughs> Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's it's a great song. Yeah, so check this one out, and also kind of interesting that they they told that they they told that there was going to be a message behind it. You know, I mean, with someone, it's clear sort of what the message is in a more subtle but yeah. very stark way. Um, but with theirs, the point was to be fully transparent and visible with the message and that's that's probably as a result also of 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 working together with NGOs and and streaming it online and pushing the message across social media yeah. was was a direct result of it needing to ha be told this message needed to go out in the way that cyberbullying takes place yeah yeah that makes sense absolutely well, the third one I haven't analyzed deeper, but I also had the feeling that it that that it had something, um, some some kind of message behind. Maybe maybe you guys can enlighten me when when you've listened to it, when we watched it. Uh, it's from the Finnish band called Wheel, and the song is called Vultures. Um, it's the first single from their upcoming debut album, which is going to be out uh, early next year. Uh, funnily enough, Wheel are also going to be supporting Soen on their upcoming European tour. And I saw the guys playing at Summer Breeze this summer. Um, they had one or two EPs out uh, until then, until now. And uh, if you like Tool and that kind of shit, you, you're going to love them. So please check out uh, Wheel Vultures as well. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I would just say a few things about the video. I mean, to me, it also kind of goes down the same path of being an outcast and being misunderstood and, you know, the crowd picking on you. And for me as an American, I immediately connected what's happening in the video to the Salem witch trials Yeah, uh, where they, you know, I think five or seven women were burned at the stake yeah. because they thought they were, and they were children, in fact, they were young teenage girls. Uh, and this is sort of playing out in the film. And the singer is the only band member, I think, in the video, or at least th yeah. to me that's visible because he's singing, and he's singing in from the flames. 
and then it parallels that with a you know a young teenage the same young teenage girl in the present day in her school being stared at it's quite i mean it's also quite visually um powerful um and well shot i mean all the videos are amazingly well done from a video perspective but also that they carry this message and this that that message is also there and it kind of you know kind of makes you wonder what times we're living in where these sorts of artistic outputs are are coming through even in a musical genre that's not necessarily ever been particularly political or um you know social justice oriented i mean well i haven't analyzed the uh, history of prague in regards to political political involvement or politics or anything like that but what i can feel like for the time i've been involved and and uh a part of the prague scene uh i always have the feeling that um there's a lot going on um a lot of a lot of love going on that i don't feel in other uh, uh musical scenes like well it's well we like the music that's nice but with the prog scene i always have the, have the feeling there's 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 a big connection and a feeling of oneness and 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 uh yeah we are all in this together i don't know uh we are all outcasts maybe that's that that what that's what might uh bring people bring, together bring people together and that's also what i really love about the pro community yeah maybe you can speak a, a little more to that because um for those of you that don't know we're based in munich germany and i come from the us obviously um and i wasn't I was a prog fan since I was I guess 12 13 14 but I I never was a part of a physical community of prog fans. I mean there was like in the late 90s, you know, I got online and discovered the perpetual motion board um and was, you know, learning this is how I learned about prog music and then um discovered the laser CD which was a CD shipping like a it's a, a sensory uh the label yeah. sensory is on there it's Ken Golden's little empire in New Jersey and I was living up in New York New Jersey at the time so I ordered all my CDs from him and that's sort of how I got my fix and I didn't even go to that many concerts but I feel like over here especially for you that's been very different you're much more involved in the the real scene well the 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 beginning was almost exactly the same when i was 12 uh, 13 14 some something like that i started to get into like pink floyd and stuff the old lps from my father and um so once i got my first computer and internet access i immediately went to search for um a prog radio so i found like moro and stuff but the one that where i found a home was proglus radio um that must have been around 2004 ish i don't yeah some something like that 
and there was a little chat board on the side. So there was like a community of 20, 30, 40 regulars um, way before Facebook um, and all that stuff. Um, so, and at one point I started meeting people from there like at concerts and at one point we started going to the Prog Power Europe Festival in Holland um, which became kind of the epicenter of the European Prog community I would say for me even though it's not the biggest festival we have in that genre um, but it it has a really, really deeply connected family, and uh, I've been going to the Prog Power Europe Festival for um, ten years now, and it it is a family of one hundred, two hundred people, or even more. And I know all of them personally, and we all care for each other, and we all like so happy to see each other. Uh, at least once a year at the festival itself, but maybe we're going to meet outside of the festival during the year at other festivals, or we're going to um, make some holidays somewhere uh, and, yeah. and and visit them. So, yeah, that, that, that's how I experienced the Prague community to be such a family. That's it. Maybe yeah. we can deep dive into that on one of our one of our future episodes and we might break yeah. that down. <laughs> okay, moving on. Coming up, we're gonna ring Agneta Kierkevag from Matter Mortem and check in on how the headline tour went and what they have in store for us in 2019. So stay tuned, freaks. Hi, Agneta. Yeah. Hey, here's uh, Randy um, from Freaks TV, and I think you know this other guy here. Yeah, hi, here's oh, Dario. Hey, let's do it like this. <laughs> yeah. And, some and there's Guy. Engineer. And you can see me outside. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and you can hear us okay and everything? Perfect. I just have to warn you, though, uh, if somebody comes home, there will be a lot of barking. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Dog. No worries. Uh, two, dog. <laughs> <laughs> two dogs, even. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, wh what were the dogs doing while you were on tour? Did you have a dog sitter? No, actually, my dad lives uh, lives with me, so he takes care of my dogs when I'm away. It's oh. a brilliant arrangement. Perfect. Otherwise, I couldn't be touring. <laughs> uh, sure, of course. Yeah, sure that, I mean, why don't we just jump right into that? I think that's one of our 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 big questions for you is um, tell us about the tour. Well, we it was a short little stint, you know. It was six dates, um, total of ten days travel time, and it's our first ever headliner thing, so we were pretty nervous. <laughs> it's a, but you have to start somewhere, I think. So we, um, I think it went um, about as we had expected, which means that it would be like a low to medium turnout, which we would expect the first time around, right? And um, the main point was really to try to do it and be sure that we could. Sorry, there's something beeping, so I'm going to turn <laughs> off on that. Your other <laughs> Skype call is coming in. Yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, um, so we were like 
not super satisfied, but within the expectations for turnout, I think. And we were very satisfied with like the gigs, how that worked. And I think we did like played really good gigs. Yeah. So it's a, it's been a test. Like, how can we do this? So we figure out we can pull it off. We've learned a lot about some uh, organizational things that we should be changing a bit to make life easier for us and the support bands. But all in all, it was quite, uh, I don't know, I just came home like it's not so long ago. So I'm still a little bit, ah, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say, um, I remember when you announced the tour and I, I was surprised to hear that it was your first headlining tour. I mean, as you probably hear, I, I come from the U.S., yeah. And I've been a fan since All Flesh is Grass, uh, and I had never seen you guys come to the U.S., US but I had, I never assumed that you had not done a headline tour. Um, what what made you go for it now, and, and what maybe held you back from, from doing a headline tour in the past? Well, uh, I think, like, to start like in the, in the back end of your question there, I think the best timing for us to headline would have been, like, in 2003, when we had, you know, just toured with Opeth, that's when we probably should have gone on. But then we had suddenly had quite a few lineup changes, like two members leaving, which means that it's going to take like a year before you are ready for touring again, really. And a lot happened with label changes and so on. So we kind of lost a lot of our momentum then, I think. And we didn't really have, we've never really had the organization to do it because it's... Um, we're slow in some ways as a band. We're a little bit slow. Uh, so we're not like five go-getters that are all like super good at planning. So we need to have some kind of support system or some people to help us. If we can, I don't think we would have been able to do it by ourselves. And, and, we've, and I think we're kind of a strange band as well because I think we've been around for so long and we're kind of distinct. So I think we might have, I think a lot of people know who we are and knows about it. And it's a reference for quite a few people. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we do have such a lot of fans that would come to shows, though. So I guess we did it now because uh, we did the crowdfunding campaign. And uh, we had just done like two legs of the Sewing Tour. And we were getting good feedback and we figured that we have to start somewhere, you know. And this is a good timing. We can do it now, and it can be a short thing. And we can uh, we we use a bit of the crowdfunding income to actually put into the tour and to be able to move on. So that's um, that's why we we figured we we're just going to try this now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you you just mentioned you're a slow band, but uh, I I don't know the gaps between the albums before, but I think. Uh, between um, uh, Red in Tooth and Claw and Marrow, that was like pretty quick for your. Then we're back to like how we used to be when we were like eighteen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 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 that now Marrow was like just two years or so after Red in Tooth and Claw. Yeah. Red and Tooth and Claw was October 2016 and Marrow in September 2018. Yeah, so... That's actually pretty good for us. <laughs> I think I remember the original post about Marrow, too. You were like, 
oh yeah, we have this this other thing too. We haven't told you about it, and it's like already had artwork and everything. I, I if I recall correctly, so this was uh, we were pretty quick then, but I I mean we it and uh, we got a kick in the butt really from the whole zone tour thing, getting out on tour again. I think that was super important to us. And also, I guess it's a little bit of a, I don't know if I would call it that, but a little bit of a midlife crisis in some ways. We are getting to the point in our lives that if we ever want to try to do this, like try to promote the band to a point where we maybe could do that, at least as a part-time job, it's going to be now, you know. If we wait for five more years, I don't think we have, we'll have the stamina or the willpower to, to kind of like stand against the stream of common sense <laughs> actually I, re I remember uh, talking to Martin Lopez uh, when they were touring with uh, Lizard and this yeah. other weird band um, and he actually told me that he absolutely wanted to, you guys to to go on tour with them back then already um, yeah. but it didn't work out so I was and, and that that was actually the first time I got like I I knew your name like Madame Mortem. I knew it was like uh, there was some reputation to it, and I always associate with some kind of doomy prog metal with unique female vocals, which was kind of accurate, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know where I read it like long time ago, but I never got around to check you uh, out somehow. So so I got the actually uh, yeah Martin Lopez told me to check check you guys out and then that was right before Red in Tooth and Claw so that was uh, the perfect timing because I think it's a great album I still love it I think it's hard to describe uh, Matter Mortem I think I mean you did a pretty good job just now but I mean well, yeah whenever anybody's ever asked me I just have to give them music because it's such a so unique especially in this sort of prog metal land where you can have really a lot of dream theater imitators and yeah. you know bands going in certain directions or like we said Mashuga yeah uh and then and then you and then you you came out of nowhere and now, I mean, now nowadays all i i guess like the, for the last 10 20 years it, it has been like the most of the prog bands you were either either a um genesis clone or dream theater clone or a Mashuga clone and and like that's about the covers about 85% of the prog bands out there. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating maybe a little bit, but um, because of that, it's, it's always so refreshing to hear something different. And it's also very interesting to talk to people like you who do actually do different proggy yeah. music. Uh, how, how is your take on uh, how, how, on on composing, or how, how where do you get your influences from, and how do you put them together, or something like that? Yeah. yeah. So is that a question? Yeah, that a question? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just wanted to throw one thing in before you answer that. Yeah. Putting let's put things into perspective. So when I heard All Flesh is Grass, it had just come out, and I just read that there was not a North American release. But I bought a CD from Ken Golden at the Laser CD in New Jersey, which is where I was living at the time. And it was yeah. before Deadlands came out, so I must have bought an import. Yeah. Uh, and that would have been, what, 1999, 2000, 2001? 2001 it came out. 2001, okay. Uh, 
at that time, I mean, Prague was metal was kind of, I don't know, same, same. It was coming out of the 90s. It felt like there was just a lot of the, yeah, sort of dream theater clones. And I have many CDs from this era, but it was kind of like there wasn't there wasn't a lot of stuff that was really jumping out. Uh, Probably and, Pain of Salvation. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Except for a few. <laughs> Pain of Salvation, Matter Mortem, Opeth, Dream Theaters, Scenes from a Memory came out in 99. So, I mean, I kind of add this in there too. But, I mean, what you guys did was unique. Thank you. I think so too in some ways, you know. Uh, but I think it has to do... Uh, yeah, most of all, I think it has to do with that we are seamless, I think. Mm. We're from the countryside, so we've never had, like, we never belonged to any kind of scene or had, like, a group of musicians. I was I was writing something about this in an interview a little while ago, and it's this, when we were coming up as a band, you know, we were 14, 15, starting to play, this little hometown here doesn't have enough people that you can have, like, a metal scene and a punk scene. It was the kids who played and all the other kids, right? <laughs> so if you wanted to play, you had to play in whatever style other guys would play. So everybody would play like in one metal band and one sudden rock band and one punk band maybe and then do one singer and songwriter thing. So it was a very good starting point for music because you just have to had to relate to all these different kinds of genres. And then obviously I think... Uh, both, all of us now at some point have gone to like musical school, so we have some technical background as well. But I don't know. I think it comes from just not being very interested in anything else but what we like ourselves. I think that's the only thing like we've been aiming for the whole way is do we like this? And we've had the position and the possibility of being relatively undisturbed in doing so, right? nobody's ever stuck their noses in what we're writing <laughs> until afterwards, which is good. And we're just, I don't know. We like such a lot of different things and we work so much with the songs that we make, I think, but not in terms of technicality. We're in trying to figure out what is the feeling of the song and then uh, keep digging at that until the story or the song tells itself in a way that feels right, I guess. It's 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 really difficult to explain. <laughs> but um, it's also, you know, the, the idea, what does the idea want to say? How does the song want to be? You just have to, like, go with that and start pulling the threads and follow the, follow, follow the music. It sounds pompous, but it's kind of true. I mean, I think one of the things that always stood out to me was... Uh, especially your vocal approach, how you brought um, emotion to uh, to a track. Do you do this live together in the room? Do you find these things or do you work separately to sort of see when this kind of comes out? Because it always feels I mean, gargantuan when, when your emotional parts come through. Yeah. No, it's... Um... I've, I mean, it's actually, but that's actually been an aim for us to do this. But by now, we always write like five people in a room. We're just sitting together and we're writing. And sometimes somebody has like an, a riff or an idea or I'll have a vocals part or whatever. And we work, work on it together. So it usually, 
yeah, it comes just there and then we're just, uh, if it's my idea, it might actually start with vocals and then we have to figure out the other stuff afterwards. If it's somebody else's idea, I'll, they'll be working on it. <laughs> it looks kind of weird, I think, because we're like five people facing each other, right? So I'm directly opposite the drum kit. And then it's BP on one side and then Turmudan on it on the other side. And everybody will kind of like sometimes be into like making their own arrangements for the same part. So it's going to be completely confusing for anybody else. And then everybody has like, okay, now I have an idea what I want to try to play. Then we go one, two, three, four. <laughs> and then sometimes you get gold and sometimes you get absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that kind of work. We work in that setting at least. And just um, for some songs, like um, the underdog songs from Red and Tooth and Chloride, parts of that is this riff that we've been working on for 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. We never could get it right. We've had probably 60 different versions of how to play it. That includes like completely different styles of playing it from, we had one like Judas Priest-ish version. Okay. <laughs> and then one like really Tool-ish kind of version, but none of them were right. So we kept just looking and looking and looking and finally we found the key, right? And we have the same thing around now. There are parts on, like waiting to fall the final song on Marrow is really, really old. We, but we've like never found like the right, we never found the right edge to start working, right? So it's just, um, there's a lot of listening and thinking and feeling to, to get there. But I think uh, it means that uh, we end up with a result that's going to live for a long, long time. It's not music that's over once you've heard it twice. It's music that's going to live for many, many years, I think, which is good. It costs a lot in time and in feeling and in just sheer, you know, <clears throat> frustration and heartache. But it's worth it, I think. I think it makes it a lot better. I think off, I hear the dog. <laughs> I oh, think... That was my dad. <laughs> ah, okay. Oh, sorry. Um... I'm going to tell him afterwards. Oh, shit. Dad, there are these gentlemen in Germany who think you <laughs> cough like a dog. <laughs> um, I was just going to, just to add to that, that like all flesh is grass and deadlines. If you listen to these now, I mean, they could have been released in 2018. I mean, they're just, yeah. for me, they're just timeless. I mean, and... And you were doing things long before others, like like genty guitars and rhythmic things that before gent was its own thing. And I never considered you a, a gent band, but you already sort of explored these elements before the kids did later. Yeah. For <laughs> us, I think it was Sepultura, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's where it came from, from us. You know, both me and BP are huge yeah. Seps fans. And it's like, we just like things that go boom at the same time, right? <laughs> it's the same with like uh, James Hetfield riffing. You can say what you want about Metallica these days. But man, downstrokes on a guitar, that guy is like the king. So there's also that, you know, into all this seriousness and quite... And I would, we're nerdy sometimes, right? A little bit intellectual at times and a little goofy with it. But there's also this pure joy of the boom side of metal 
when everything hits at the same time. <laughs> yeah, the groove. I mean, yeah, grooving. Matter Mortem's got the groove. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the grooves. <laughs> and 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 you were talking about the the underdogs riff, and I just have it playing in my head, and this it's like, it's 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 slow, but also forward driving. It's like <laughs> it's got a little bit of doom in it, but also that like this anthem anthemic, which is like the message of the song as well um and that's what i really love about it because it's and i actually um i al always do playlists for my own shows when when i have a I have a sh live show with bands yeah. uh, i i'm uh i have a playlist and it's always the last song i play <laughs> because <laughs> i think it's 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 it sums up the evening perfectly the music <laughs> of the underdogs <laughs> There's something uh, I think we I, the, uh, we were talking about, you know, for the whole of Red and Tooth and Claw, I did these. Uh, every song has a little quote from another song or from, from a book or from a poem or from a song. And uh, for just for underdogs, it's for those about to rock, we salute you. Yeah. There's something about this like subgenre of rock music that is about rock music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like movies, uh, uh, like Hollywood movies about Hollywood movies. Yes, a little bit. Yeah, and there's this—I don't know. Uh, this, the, the, there is something that what I like the most about rock and metal music. There's some kind of purity in that. I think there's this. Um, there's such a—you like rock so much that you just you want to both play it and you want to sing about how. Much you like it at the same time. I did that idea to me is like, it's joyous, you know. And ACDC at its best is joyous. It's music that's filled with uh, soreness and sadness, but joy more than anything in joy in the music, you know. And I wanted to borrow something, something of that. I just wanted to go back to the topic real quick. You mentioned about like growing up in the town that you're from and that there was no scene. Fast forwarding now to 2018, you just did your first headline tour. You're really active on social media. I mean, you guys are doing videos all the time, which I think is super cool. You're letting people into this world uh, that you have. I mean, I've seen stuff in your practice room, on the road, et cetera. I think this is really great, I mean, that you take the time to do this. For for you now, looking back and seeing like the, this global world that comes together on the internet and this this sort of global prog scene, can you make any comment on on what what you see in the scene today, for for maybe how fans interact with with bands or with one another, and do you feel like this is like another f phase for you guys that you now have? global fans who you can reach as if they were in your town. It's a very much new face for us, you know, because we're old, right? We started out when promotion was something a record label did, right? Like it used to be. Uh, when we signed for Central Media, there was like, they planned tours and just told us where to go. You know, they would do posters and stuff and just tell us what to do. Basically, I got a list of interviews when you do this, you call this number, then, you know, everything was out of our hands. And that has changed completely, I guess, you know, it just doesn't work like that anymore since 
the big downloading scare and the record industry's incapability of finding something sensible to do with that. Right? It has changed. It's changed a lot. And I think the downside of it is that it's really hard uh, for a band unless you are quite savvy with language, for instance. You're going to have a bit of a hard time because it's a lot of language work. Um, and it's a lot of work. You know, most bands that even most bands that I like, there are a few bands that can live off it. 100%, right? But I guess the good side of it is this community feeling. And especially when we did this crowdfunding thing, that was, uh, that was like the, the, I mean, getting the money is good. <laughs> no, no qualms about that. But the most rewarding thing of that was reconnecting with the fans that we had around and just hearing like their stories about how they came to know our music and how they felt about it. And also, that's been, Dario's going to nod probably because he's going to recognize what I'm going to say. But there's also been uh, like our growing acquaintance with the prog scene as a scene, because we've never like been very aware of where we belong. But I think as how I see metal developing, I think we definitely belong within the prog bit. Because as you said before, right, it used to be like dream theater and stuff. And I don't see the connection for us there. Like, they just want to play like really difficult stuff. We just want to play. <laughs> There's a huge difference, right? But with what prog is coming to mean, you know, which is music that has uh, some kind of drive to experiment or to be different and changeable. And maybe the subtitle could be music that demands something from the listener, you know, at some point that's. And that's somewhere I think that we belong. So we've been like, also, uh, I have this impression that the pro scene are super active online. So I get to talk to a lot of them and I meet a lot of them as well around in Europe. <laughs> and they all seem to know each other. And suddenly I see like pictures online because I have lots of Facebook friends with people we meet on tour, right? And suddenly I see like there's one fan that we have that is from Minsk is on the same photo as this other fan we have that's from Italy. And I had no idea that they knew each other. <laughs> and it's global and it's, um, it's heartwarming because it's kind of a family thing. And with people who actually care, but care for music and love it and do something about it. You know, it's good. We, we just talked about this before we got on the phone with you. We were discussing this sort of scene and especially in Europe, uh, that, like Dario and, and the others traveling yeah. to all the big festivals and doing things as a, as a group. Uh, yeah. This is pretty fascinating, <laughs> particularly in as a, Europe. As a family, actually, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I think um, not only me, but also a lot of friends. I like, and, and like 99% of them I met at Prog Power Europe. Um, um, we we can't go to any other obscure prog festival somewhere in Europe <laughs> without bumping into somebody we know, no. which I'm not complaining at all about. It's super lovely, I, and and we're we're always checking ha ah, who's who goes to which festival and who I'm gonna meet there, and um, yeah. it's 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 
super heartwarming to to know all these people and to know yeah we we are always looking forward to to see seeing each other again be it here or there um yes. yeah it's really it beautiful a, yeah it is that's where we're like really well i mean we we were at Prog power last year because uh, we were with Zone, they played and we had a day off so we got to go around and just drink beers and <laughs> and look at Antrox because they were super drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they tend to do that at Prog Power, and I would yeah. guess not only at Prog Power. <laughs> <laughs> they're amazing people. I mean, they're they're a fantastic band and amazing people as well. But they had like a head start from us for for that night, so we were a bit, so they were quite fun to talk to. <laughs> but you know, um, that was like the vibe I got, and you know, some of the people that we met there. Uh, like Harry and Henrietta, you know, with these yeah. guys who we now seen like three times on tour now, and we meet some of the other guys and yeah, they they would have come to Munich, nice. I th I think they wanted to come to Munich as well. Yeah, <laughs> lovely been, people. And it's that kind of, uh, and it's not the kind of like fandom that feels stalkish, stalker stalkerish, you know. It's because it's just people who are just super interested in music. Which is the best kind of people to talk to, really. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe I was just maybe think about like uh, also you probably have experienced a change in your relationship with the press, even right? Because yeah. the press used to be this sort of like gatekeeper magazines and stuff, and now it's also a lot of just individuals with yeah. new technologies and you know, fan pages that they create for topics and stuff. And then they're doing interviews. And I mean, you see a lot of independent press nowadays, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, really, really good because there's this, uh, you know, a lot of people from the metal press used to be like really super nice and interested people. But you would also have quite a few, you know, more or less arseholes that would take this gatekeeper role very seriously and where the main thing to get your stuff into the press would be to kiss some serious ass with journalists, which I think is uh, bizarre. You know, it's the wrong way around. That's not, yeah. I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to people I like, but I won't be brown nosing some drunken idiot who thinks he's no, who think he knows more about my music than I do. This might be also be with being a woman in the metal scene, where I've often <clears throat> there are quite a few journalists who have kind of just assumed that I would know nothing about what we're doing, which is uh, <clears throat> slightly annoying. Yeah. But then, they, then they haven't heard you saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I think there's something about that. No, I don't think they have. But I think it's been changing, and I think the changes have been very positive. I think there's a lot of anything that's done from enthusiasm, you know, is good. I think the backside of it is that I think it's really difficult to get paid as a writer now. Yeah, I can. I, you can vouch for that. We, we, I think we can both vouch for that from different angles. I yeah. mean, me writing and uh, Randy uh, actually filming high quality interviews and, and documentaries and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, the budgets are just not there, you know, with the labels or anyone. I mean, and just to make content, everybody want, needs content. But, I mean, I, I like your approach that you guys just do it yourselves. And 
Um, yeah, but it's, uh, I think the music industry in general, it's a tough business to try to make money. And I mean, and I think that's not the reason most of us got into it in the first place. But I don't know because uh, I think this, I think there, I've got no idea what it is, but there's got to be a couple of pieces missing from this whole puzzle because people are using much more, uh, using music a lot more actively. I even look at the kids that I teach at school. They use music such a lot. And people seem to be surrounding themselves with music a lot. This is obviously something that people want. No? So it's just about figuring out how to make sure that people get a part of it. Those who create stuff, you know, in some way. I've got no idea how to... Because this far, it's basically been, I think, hit and miss quite a lot, you know. But it's it's a shame because there are this this principle also. I think that people who do serious work in art should have some. Not because I live for money, but because if there's no money, it gets really difficult to continue doing it. Right? Same with the writing, I suppose. Yeah, you travel. You have to publish. You have to, you have to have your equipment. There's this uh, guy in Norway who's called Ingve uh, Jakobsen, and he maintains this portal called HeavyMetal.no, like like a Norwegian site for metal. And it's such it's a shitload of work, right? It he is. He keeps very updated. So he's ended up he's put out like a number that people can contribute to if they'd like. And that has been happening a little bit where the metal scene actually has started putting some money back into it. And that I like, you know. But I think it's a shame that it has to all be charity. Yeah. yeah. We, 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 we had the proc space, uh, as you might have seen. We, we, just, we started the shop with, a, yeah. with some merch stuff. Um, but uh, to be honest, we won't be uh, earning that much of it, like really, really small profit margin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we just hope it will cover our, um, our, uh, the cost of our, uh, internet, uh, host. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know the feeling. I mean, <laughs> touring is really expensive. So we're, we're at the point where we've, we're we're at like bank loans and stuff like that. If you're going to do it as a band, you know, uh, ticket sales uh, help and merch sales help, but there's nothing to be made for bands from uh, from out, sales anymore. From putting out an album, yes. No, it's it used to be you know you put out an album and then you toured to promote that album. Now you put out your album so that you have something to tour for. Yeah. Yeah. Because merch is the like the only income. Mechanical royalties give a little bit back, but touring is the thing. And that's, I mean, I like it. <laughs> about that. I'd like, I could be on the road quite a lot of the year and be relatively happy, I think. So, so what's next then on that note? Oh, uh, the first thing that happens is uh, we take a break over Christmas. We always do. Like, we all like having a bit of quiet. And a big party on New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have this, we are doing the re-release of Mercury, the first album we ever released. Cool. So we are 
um, working on the material for that. We are doing reworks of several of the songs. And for those who have heard some of our, our reworks before, you can expect them to be quite different, you know, because it's a very different band. And we've also, uh, there's this one riff that Christian, our then guitar player, turned who turned cover designer from All Flesh and Stuff, he had this one riff back in 97, 98. It was just so, that is really, really brilliant, but we never could figure out how to use it. But he's given us permission to use it now, <laughs> which is going to be very interesting, you know. So we're going to try to make a new song with material from that day as well. So that's the first thing uh, to like write it and record it, I guess, and also prepare the other stuff for that release. We're going out touring again in spring, it seems like, with, uh, I can't say with whom yet because it hasn't been released, but we're going out as a support band in spring again. And then in uh, September is going to be the um, anniversary big ado gig. And we're also going to try to make a documentary around this, all this stuff. So this, I'm trying not to think about it too much because I get a little bit panic. <laughs> <laughs> Where will you do the uh, anniversary gig? In Norway then? Yes. Yep. We booked this place called uh, Park Teatre. It's uh, because we need a venue that has uh, a big stage and um, a high roof so we can do like, we want to do like lots of visuals. Mm-hmm. And we're inviting all the ex-band members to come and join us. Oh, wow. So it's going to be exciting to see how many of them we can actually fit on the stage. And I'm hoping amazing. most I think I think the gathering did this as well, right? Like a couple of yeah. years ago, yeah. Um, but 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 you were you were just uh, saying you're kind of panicking if you think about it. But I I, I hope the excitement is stronger. <laughs> There's a lot of excitement. It's just that I'm. This is happening at the same time where I'm working a full time job and doing a full time master's studies. So well. <laughs> I need some sleep at some point. <laughs> Okay. This is just the workload, basically. But uh, I think it's going to be an exciting year. We'll have to. I think it's like always. We just we start and we see how far we get. And shit happens. We can't make it. I mean, this is not. We're not a company. We're a band. That means that if we can't make the music sound right in the time it's supposed to sound right, it's going to have to wait until it sounds right. I think we're about done. I mean, yeah. unless there's anything else you want to. No. Let's... Anyway, it was really, really great to have you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're here to support you guys however we can with videos or podcasts and stuff. So big fans. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really... And so... thank, thank you for having me. That's what you're supposed to say, right? <laughs> when you've hey, been listening people. <laughs> thanks to your dad. And sorry that I thought that he was the dog barking. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell him. Uh, Bye. Yeah, say hi to the other guys. There's, there's Kai. I will tell the others. Bye bye. Bye, bye. bye. Thanks. All right, freaks. Thanks for listening to episode one of the podcast. We're cutting it off here because we actually recorded our top albums of 2018 in this episode. But for the sake of time, we decided we'll split this up and next time give you the full top albums episode. So I've been Randy Salo from Freaks TV, and as always, Dario Albrecht joined us from the Prague space. So keep it real, keep it Prague. See you next time, Freaks. 
If you enjoy this podcast, we recommend you check out the Freaks TV original podcast where we talk about general metal news, go deep diving into topics, have guests, do interviews, hit the town, light it up. You know what I'm saying? Check it out on our homepage or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. The Freaks TV Progcast is produced by Stuis Media at the Moonbase Studios in Munich. Produced by Janine Stengel, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, Dario Albrecht, and myself, Randy M. Salo. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Freaks out. Freaks out.